0: Jesus is real. There's power in Your name. We find hope when we trust in Your ways. We believe, Jesus is real.
1: God realizes that unless we place God at the front and the way God feels and the way God views the world. Once we are lined up with that, then the way we deal with one another on a horizontal, interpersonal level will be right. But where that is off, there's no way this can be right. So Jesus, in this model person, says, look, I want you to petition and honor God first and then get to your needs.
0: When you're making something, it's important to follow the steps in the correct order. If you don't, the thing you're making won't turn out as it should. Well, in today's teaching, Pastor Daniel shares that the same is true in your life. When God doesn't come first, things fall apart. This passage on prayer reveals that you first need to get lined up with God's thoughts before focusing on your needs. Then your desires will come from the right perspective. Here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 6 as he begins his message dialogue and direction.
1: Without further ado, let's just jump right on in. Now, I always think the most important thing when you talk about something like prayer is let's just define what it means. This word prayer, and in the Greek, prayer, it's really two Greek words that are just slammed together. It's the word pros, which and that word pros literally means to be face to face. That's what it means. It speaks of intimacy. I mean, think about being face-to-face with somebody. That's what the word prospeed is. So it's, it's face-to-face. And this is for UK, which literally means a wish, a desire, or a vow. And it was originally used to depict somebody who made a vow to God because of some need or desire in their life. So if you think about the most common word in your Greek New Testament for prayer, it means making a vow while standing face-to-face. And if you think about prayer, you take those concepts and you stick it into the idea of what prayer is all about. And prayer first speaks of intimacy, being really close to God. And then second, it speaks of sacrifice. Now, when you think about prayer, is that what you normally think about? Getting face to face with God and making a sacrifice? Not normally, right? We normally think about prayer as I just come to God and I got my grocery list Of all the needs, not that those needs are wrong or we shouldn't ask for the needs, but really prayer is about being intimate with God and making a sacrifice. Now, what's interesting is that prayer and sacrifice go hand in hand. God's sacrifice was the sacrifice of his son to die on a cross for our sins. And our sacrifice is our own desires We come and say, because you're God and I'm not, I want your will, not my own. I want your plans, not my own. So that's just what the word means. Now, prayer in its simplest understanding speaks of our dialogue with God. Prayer speaks of our dialogue with God. I use that word dialogue specifically. If you think about just the language, that prefix dia means dual or two. So a dialogue is a conversation amongst two people. So prayer speaks of the dialogue that we get to have with God. But if you think about it, and if you're really honest, most of our prayers are just a monologue, right? Right? It's us just downloading stuff. Now, again, it's not wrong. There's times in every conversation where one person in the conversation takes an upper hand, spends more time talking than somebody else. That's just conversation. But true prayer is a dialogue. We share and he shares. We express and he expresses. And I always say in my own heart, if there's going to be a monologue going on in prayer, I hope God's the one with the monologue. Because God's got the wisdom And I come seeking wisdom. God knows the beginning from the end. And I, even what I think I know, the longer I live, I realize that I don't really know a whole lot. So prayer is the word we use to speak of this dialogue, this intimate relationship based on sacrifice. Now, one of my favorite definitions of prayer comes from a man named Theophan the recluse or the recluse i like that recluse or recluse now this guy was a desert father now i always say this and i think we need to say this because you know when you quote people sometimes some people say oh i can't believe you quoted so and so because don't you know they said this this and this and i always tell people when you quote somebody when i quote somebody when pastor bill quotes somebody it doesn't mean we agree with everything they've ever said but we really like that quote does that make sense Because you have to qualify. If we're quoting the Bible, we agree with all of it. Everything else, we're just quoting because it's a good quote. So I can't speak to this man, the rest of his theology, but I know that this is a really great quote about what prayer is. Listen to this To pray is to descend with the mind into the heart and there to stand before the face of the Lord. That's a pretty powerful definition of prayer. To pray is to descend with the mind into the heart and there to stand before the face of the Lord. I think this is why prayer is so hard. Because prayer in its truest sense is not a cerebral activity. Prayer is a truly spiritual activity. Prayer speaks of When you think of our heart, that control center of our lives, it takes the influence of the spirit, the influence of the emotions, the thought life, the needs of the body, and that's where the decisions are made. Prayer is truly a spiritual happening. And that's why for a lot of us in our spiritual disciplines as Christians, it's easy to read the word every day, but being a person of prayer, deep prayer, it's really hard, right? I mean, let's be honest. It's really challenging. And even if you're having a bad day, a distracted day, you can still read the word, but prayer is a challenge. Because prayer, it's about getting past all the things that you're thinking about. I like that. It's about taking your mind and descending into your heart, and there standing before God. Prayer speaks of vulnerability. Deep relationship. And so, when you think about prayer, and we're talking about prayer... It's interesting to remember that in Luke chapter eleven, verse one, the disciples said to Jesus, "Lord, teach us to pray." Lord, teach us. The only time they ever asked Jesus to teach them anything was right there. And there it never says, "Lord, teach us how to share our faith." Lord, teach us to preach. None of that. But they do say, "Lord, teach us to pray." That's Luke eleven one, and then. In Luke's gospel, it goes on to the same prayer. But we're going to be looking at the model prayer today from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. It's commonly called the Lord's Prayer. I like to call it the model prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. Really, the Lord's Prayer is John 17, where we have a whole chapter of Jesus actually praying. And so I like to call this the model prayer. See, but what's interesting is if you think about it, that prayer, the model prayer has been recited corporately by Christians for thousands of years. Christians would get together and they would corporately, as a church, recite this prayer. Now, it's interesting that the things that you do the most commonly oftentimes lose the bulk of its meaning, right? And it got to a point for so many of us, I remember growing up where I'd go to the Catholic church and you just recite this prayer, you never think twice about it. You just say the words, you don't actually think about it. And so what's happened is, is because for a long time, people recited this prayer, then all of a sudden people are like, let's not do that anymore. And it's almost like awkward if you tried to, I did it in staff meeting, not too recently. I said, Hey, let's recite the Lord's prayer together. And it was totally awkward. It's like, almost like we felt like we were sinning or something, you know, by just kind of repeating this prayer. But what I want to do is if when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, Jesus said, I want you to pray like this. I want you to pray in this manner. And so I thought if we're going to talk about prayer and Jesus said, this is how you ought to pray. Let's just really break open the Lord's prayer and see what's in this, what's in this model prayer. Why is this so powerful? And as you read this, it's about 70 words long and it's absolutely comprehensive, all embracing. It's about God's glory about our needs, physical needs, spiritual needs, the needs of the past, the needs of the future. And, you know, I love that about Jesus. I mean, you know, I was laughing this morning. I'm like, man, Jesus said it in 70 words, and it's going to take me like 40 minutes to explain it. Jesus only needed 70 words. 70 words to nail the whole thing together. Talk about power and brevity. You guys were thinking to yourself, Pastor Daniel, you need to learn a little bit of that. So let's look at it. I'm going to read it. Verse 9, Matthew chapter 6. Prayer is first focused on God and then on us. Notice this. Prayer is first focused on God and then on us. If you just look at the outline of this prayer, it begins with an invocation or the address. Who is it to? And then there's three petitions that all have to do with God. Then there's three petitions that have to do with us and our needs. And then there's the doxology or the conclusion or the climax. So it's God first and then us. And Jesus always taught this way. Think about when they asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was. What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then love your neighbor as yourself. God first, us second. The vertical first, the horizontal second. And really, this is what makes Christianity so important. Because that orientation, God first, Humanity second. Because God realizes that unless we place God at the front and the way God feels and the way God views the world, once we are lined up with that, then the way we deal with one another on a horizontal interpersonal level will be right. But where that is off, there's no way this can be right. So Jesus in this model person says, look, I want you to petition and honor God first, and then get to your needs. Because if we're lined up properly with God, then our desires will be properly in line. So it's God first, us second. So one of the best ways to pray is to pray your Godward things, and then as you're praying these Godward things, then you allow your needs to be shaped by the Godward reality, the vertical reality. So it's God first, then us. Now, what's interesting is, and this week I spent some time knowing I was going to teach this, really kind of trying to understand my own prayer life. And I realized that it's so easy to lead with my needs. And then if I got some gas in the tank left over, then I get to the God word stuff. And the Lord's like, Daniel, come on. My word says it's the God things first, the human things second. That's the proper order. Now, let's just jump right in. We begin in verse nine with the simple phrase, our father in heaven. This is the address or the invocation. Now, one of the things I love about this is Jesus from the first two words is automatically mind blowing because Jesus doesn't begin his prayer with almighty El Shaddai creator of heaven and earth, the high, holy glorious one, with this flowery theological language, he begins with daddy, Abba, Papa. Absolutely disarming. You expect Jesus when he's going to pray, it's really going to be serious. It's going to be, you know, PhD in Bible college stuff. I mean, he's Jesus. You know, he's going to really, Papa, that's where it begins. And I love this. I love this because The reality is, is because of who Jesus is for us and the finished work of the cross, we are part of the family. And when Obadiah comes in to talk to me, he does not come in and say, Oh, righteous father, majestic in wisdom, glorious in hair. Unless he wants to give me a hard time, of course. But what does he do? He comes in, he says, dad, and then he rolls right into his stuff, right? Jesus teaches us to pray that way. I always think about that because D.L. Moody, the great English evangelist, he was doing uh, one of his evangelistic outreaches. And one of the elders of this church who he was at was praying before his message. And the guy is up there and he's like, all righteous Lord creator high pontiff, you know, like going on and on. And DL Moody got frustrated and he walked up to the guy while he was praying, he tapped him on the shoulder. He says, just call him dad and ask him for something. (laughs) Now I would never say you should judge somebody's prayers, but you got to like, you know, DL Moody's like, just call him dad and ask him for something. Cause we don't really need to butter up the almighty, right? You don't need to butter him up and be like, well, you know, you don't need to show your grasp of Grudem's systematic theology for him to hear you. He hears you because he's your dad because of Jesus. He has a paternal care for you. He has adopted you into his family because of your faith in his son. And that's powerful. This is not religion. This is about a family that we were blood bought into because of Jesus. So we come and we call him father, but it doesn't say my father. What does it say? Our father. Sometimes pronouns are powerful because unlike very Western 21st century American culture, where it's all about me, 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 my, my, my. I do it my way. As my uncle Frank Sinatra saying, the reality is, is when Jesus prays, he prays about the community, our father. He doesn't see Each disciple as an individual, he sees them as an individual who is also part of a family of faith, part of a community, part of something greater than just an individual. And my prayer, and I see God doing this. I just met someone last week. They visited Crossroads for the first time. It's like, I've never really liked big churches. And Crossroads is really big, but it feels like a family. And I'm like, you know what's cool? Because we are a family. We just got a big family room because there's lots of us. In our prayers, we need to get out of the self-centered way of praying and we need to start praying more communally as a community. When we realize that when one of us Is weeping or broken? We're all weeping and broken. When one of us is exalted, we're all exalted together because we are part of the body of Christ. And as I always say, what good is a set of eyeballs in a jar of formaldehyde on your shelf? Anyone got one of those? I hope not. Eyes in a jar of formaldehyde are useless. They work really good when they're in your eye sockets connected to everything so you can see what's going on. We're part of something bigger than ourselves. This glorious organism called the body of Christ. So he's our father and then in heaven, which that speaks of God's otherness, his separateness. Our father, So that's just—I mean, we're just, I mean, we're just four words into this thing. You see how this is going? Our father in heaven. Then, now we get into the vertical things, the three petitions. So praying vertically, we have God's name, God's reign, and God's will. So praying vertically, the God word, the vertical stuff, God's name, God's reign, and God's will. Hallowed be your name. See, there's his name. Your kingdom come, that's his reign. Your will be done. That's his will. And it says, on earth as it is in heaven. Praying vertically, God's name, God's reign, and God's will. Now, as we're starting this, Martin Luther said something about prayer that I love. He said, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of God's willingness. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, trying to get God to let you do something that you don't think he wants you to do. It's laying hold of what God wants to do, his willingness. That's what prayer is all about. I like to say, prayer is not getting our will done in heaven. It's about getting God's will done on earth. So we're not trying to change the heart of God. We want the heart of God to change us as we live and move in this world. And it begins with God's name, God's reign, and God's will. So first, hallowed be your name. The idea of hallowing God's name means to revere or to honor or to glorify or to exalt. So that word, hallowed be thy name, it means to give God his due. Now, of course, when you think about the Ten Commandments, which says you shall not take the Lord's name in vain, most often it's translated into you shouldn't use God's name as an expletive. Right? Like, if you can't say, oh my God, you have to say, oh my word. As if when you say, oh my word, everyone doesn't think you mean, oh my God. See, listen, think about this for a second. When you think about someone's name, do you think about the letters in their name? Like if I say this to you, if I say Bill, do you think, oh yeah, B-I-L-L? You don't think that, right? Who do you think about? Think about Pastor Bill, right? Tall, skinny guy, super smart, wicked, funny. Right? You think about Pastor Bill. You think about his plants. (laughs) See, the name is not the letters. The name is the entire personality, who they are. I always say, when you think about Daniel, hopefully you just feel warm and fuzzy inside. You don't think of D-A-N-I-E-L. You think about me or some other Daniel. See, the name is not the letters. The name is the person, the personality. So hallowing God's name or not taking God's name in vain has really nothing to do with what falls out of our mouth. It has to do with the quality of our lives. Now, the quality of our lives includes what falls out of our mouths, but that's not all that it is. It's real easy to never say, oh my God, and yet not hallow God's name at all and take his name in vain in a million ways because of the way you live. Now, speaking of that, I mean, how many times have you heard someone, something bad happens, they stub their toe and they go, Jesus Christ. I love it when that happens. Because I always say, oh, you want to pray? Let's pray together. You want to shut that down real quick. Oh, you're a Christian talking to Jesus. Let's get it on. Lord, bless my sister here. Oh, yeah. Or they say, Jesus Christ, and you can say, well, no, my name is Daniel, or insert your name, but, but I like Jesus. You like to talk to Jesus? You want to talk about Jesus? I mean, I'm being half coarse, half jesting, but half serious. You ever notice that in all these Hollywood movies, they put Jesus's name in there always when something bad happens? Because they know who they need to call on. It's like a Freudian slip, maybe with not all the Freudianisms in it, you know? But it's like they know who they need to call on. Things are bad. Let's call on Jesus. But the reality is this the first prayer, the first petition is that we revere and honor and glorify this God. And that is the whole disposition of our lives.
0: Jesus is real. When people look at your life, what you do, what you say, how you spend your time, What do you think they'll see? What will they think matters most to you? Today, Pastor Daniel reminded you that your life should be about pointing to God and giving Him credit for all He's done. That's why, as you saw in this passage, you should ask God to help you lift up who He is so that everyone can see for themselves the awesome things He's done. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus is Real Radio. I'm
1: so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore his people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at Jesus'sRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com.
0: Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue looking at the Lord's Prayer, the guidelines Jesus left for how to dialogue with you'll learn that one of the starting points for prayer is the hope of God's kingdom. Yes, you'll see that in fullness when Jesus comes back, but yes, you'll see that in fullness when Jesus comes back. But you can ask God to help you work toward that reality even now. God wants you to be a part of the work he's doing in the lives of people all around you. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Really. Till then, may God bless.